0: Spirit within, I affirm for each of us that your presence will become heightened and keen in our perception at this moment, and that our minds and hearts will be opened and become more receptive than ever to the gift that is available for us to receive today. So So let us start. Um, I've got it downloaded on my phone, and so I'm going to just read literally from the preface, and we're going to take a line at a time apart and see what it can mean to us in the millennium and how we can apply it in our lives, because the course has no other function than to be applied. This is not something to ever be tested on. This preface was written in 1977 in response to many requests for a brief introduction to A Course in Miracles. The first two parts, how it came, what it is, Helen Schuckman wrote herself the final part, what it says, was written in the process of the inner dictation described in the preface. How it came. A Course in Miracles began with a sudden decision of two people to join in a common goal. Their names were Helen Schuckman and William Tetford, professors of medical psychology at Columbia University College, of physicians and surgeons in New York City. It does not matter who they were, except that the story shows that with God, all things are possible. They were anything but spiritual. The relationship with each other was difficult and often strained and they were concerned with personal and professional acceptance and status. In general, they had considerable investment in the values of the world. Their lives were hardly in accord with anything that the Course advocates. This is a really great thing that we're reading here. It's telling us you don't have to be special to succeed in the Course. You can be stuck in the mire of the world and in the ego of worldly thinking and status and prestige, and be the vehicle through which spirit shows up for the world and for humanity, because that's what happened here. So for me, the, 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 the lesson, the gift of that paragraph is, regardless of all of the shortcomings of my personal life, my personality, I can be the vehicle through which I can allow the truth to be told in every action of my life in order to touch unknown people, countless numbers of people. We, we now know that the Course is something that is world-known in I don't know how many languages, but dozens of languages it's been translated, and it is in every corner of the planet. And look who brought it into the reality of the realm that we live in. People that were intellectuals, non-Christian, I I don't know if it's going to say it in a moment, but she, she was a Jew by upbringing, and so that would be the least expected place where a Christian-based teaching would come from, and then add to that a psychologist that is going to be thinking in the opposite context of spirituality typically, as the world recognizes it. So, the understanding here is, no matter how limited we may believe that we are as vehicles to bring the truth of spirit into the world, don't underestimate your power within you because you've got it. You, you're here for a reason, and that's what we're here to discover together. What is the reason that I'm here, and how can I best use that? She describes herself as psychologist, educator, conservative in theory, and atheistic in belief. I was working in a prestigious and highly academic setting and then something happened that triggered a chain of events I could never have predicted. The head of my department unexpectedly announced that he was tired of the angry and aggressive feelings of our attitudes, reflected and concluded that there must be another way. As if on cue, I agreed to help him find it. Apparently, this course was the other way. When you least expect it, you're elected and you're the star that day. Although their intention was serious, they had great difficulty in starting out on their joint venture. But they had given the Holy Spirit the little willingness that as the course itself was to emphasize again and again is sufficient to enable him to use any situation for his purpose and provide it with his power. Okay. We're gonna stop right here because all of my background just came up and reared into my head and said, run quick and as far away as possible. Because for me, the word Holy Spirit, His meaning God, Him being God creator, God omnipotent was like bad news as a result of my upbringing. And I don't want anyone else that has had anything similar here to have to swallow those bad feelings We need to transform those bad feelings. So, further on in what they have written, they're going to make it very clear. But they didn't, for me, they didn't make this piece clear enough because I would have made it clear before using those terms. Okay, so we're going to clarify it right now. But they had given the Holy Spirit. Okay, what is Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit is the divine essence, the divine power within each one of us. That's all it is. It is nothing. It is not something outside of us. And so to give the Holy Spirit is not to give an entity outside of us any power or any willingness. It's to recognize, To the term to give the Holy Spirit in context of this group is to acknowledge that I choose to give way to that higher power within me or that unlimited level of understanding, my divine self, access to everything in my life. And therefore, I surrender to my divine self, not the divine self outside of me, not God outside of me, that piece of me that is running my existence, that enlivens me, that is the cause for my existence. And so by understanding that, Holy Spirit can take on a whole different dimension that has nothing to do with anything outside of me. It is spirit. So why don't we just use the same words and say spirit as a whole, or the wholeness of spirit. The whole of spirit. What is the whole of spirit? The whole of spirit is you spirit, you spirit, you spirit, me spirit, all of the spirit is the whole of spirit. The sum total of all spirit or all creation is holy. Why is it holy? Because it's whole. And so the Holy Spirit is the sum total of all creation which backs and supports and enlivens everything that has come into existence. Okay, so it is, we're going to seek out that which is all powerful in order to transform all things unwanted. Because if you're wanting a miracle, that tells me that you would like something transformed in the experience of your life. And that requires some kind of power. And so we're going to call that the wholeness of spirit. And here, they're gonna just paraphrase a little bit and call it the Holy Spirit rather than the wholeness of spirit. Can that work for this group? Okay. All right. Okay, so then when when it speaks is sufficient to enable him to use any situation for his purpose and provide it with his power. Him, his, it were all capitalized. And so we're talking about source we're talking about god at the supreme level at the level of cause call him call his call it let's call it cause let's call it cause let's call it that and then we depersonify it that cannot have a persona that that is it It's not his or hers or him or her. It's that or it or cause. It's synonymous. I don't know the why or the wherefores of the use of these specific words, but having delved into this for 25 years, I can assure you from the conviction of my heart that what I'm telling you is true for them as well. And as we get into the text all the way through, you will see that what we're talking about now, they reaffirm that over and over and over and over again, but for some reason they chose to take it in the context of Christian nomenclature and that's all it is, for some reason. And I don't know what that reason is, but I don't need to know that reason because the concept works. So the reasoning Doesn't matter to me. The concept of gravity works, and I don't need to know the reason behind gravity because gravity keeps me where I want to be. And it's as simple as that. Okay. So, to continue Helen's first person account, three startling months preceded the actual writing, during which time Bill suggested that I write down the highly symbolic dreams and descriptions of the strange images that were coming to me. Okay, so. Was she having imaginations? Was she having nightmares? Was she having elusive dreams? How could we ever know what what we're visualizing in our mind? There can be no judgment as to what comes into mind. If it comes into mind, it's coming from from cause. It's It's coming from the place of becoming. It has not yet become, and it's being given the possibility of becoming or being squelched and not becoming, and that's where our free will comes in. But where it came from or why it came to her is of no concern to her, nor is it of any concern to us. And the lesson that we can learn in our lives is when we get an idea or a vision all we need to do is be attentive enough to qualify within our own intuition, our higher self, is this a divine idea or is it an idea from my lower self perspective and perceptions? Because I have that possibility of thinking dualistically. I can think dualistically because I'm living in a realm of the finite, which is the realm of duality, in a non-dual Eternity, in a non-dual eternity, this is why this is so much fun and so cool because every coin has two sides and not one side is better than the other side. And so our duality is just as much of a gift as our non-duality because our non-duality, our essential unified self has chosen the path of duality temporarily in order to experience the contrast of everything that it is not at an essential level in order to know everything that it is and that is the gift that is the gift and so we're going to go back to that many times giving great thanks to all the things that we want to condemn in life because those things awaken us and quicken our hearts to the best of the best of our eternal selves that's what makes us realize it come into a realization of that which cannot be known without the contrast. That's why we have that. Yes? When I first read it, I felt averse to the Christian nomenclature, as you say. Yeah. I had a notion come into my mind, and as I described it to myself, the notion said, if you can suspend your disbelief to watch a movie, maybe you can suspend your disbelief to read this book. There you go. Good. Great analogy. Great analogy. Great analogy. And so, that really works so above and beyond that in addition to that we want to be able to integrate this and so we need to get comfortable enough with it that we can embrace it under our own terms of comfort in order to be able to assimilate because if I'm repelling something I'm never going to assimilate it and there's no reason for even devoting your time and energy to this if there's no desire to assimilate because there are no awards for testing and a plus on the course of miracles so it this is all about getting to the feeling level of this and becoming one with it so that it becomes a way of life and a manner in which to see life and live life from that place okay well, yeah i just wanted to say yeah. that you know in church this church the theme
1: that she being raised with a literal interpretation. And we're not accustomed to looking at our Christian scriptures in the same way we read another sacred text of another culture. And again, setting aside that mindset of what we've been taught in Looking in New Light, just in yesterday's sermon, if anybody wants to go back and listen to the audio, it's on the website. Lawrence was talking about the Garden of Eden, Right. And Adam and Eve, you know, we we're taught that they, you know, God barred them, barred them from the garden and Lawrence said no, it, it's because they couldn't accept the idea of living spiritually in a dualistic world and that's what brought on their suffering right. and we carried that on. It's the story of humankind.
0: Right, right. And, and it's the story that we're still living today today. And so the course is really about learning how to live in a dualistic world and still have a dream-like experience rather than a nightmare since it is an illusion. There is a choice. That illusion can either be experienced as a nightmare or a dream. And we want to turn everything that we perceive as a nightmare in our life, we want to transform or transcend it into a dream state. That's what the Course is about. It's transformative. And I'm not transforming anything outside of me. I'm not gonna transform you. I'm not gonna transform that situation. I'm gonna transform my way of perceiving it so that I can be at peace and at ease and in health around every experience that I have in life. This is all about me. I mean, this is all about each one of you need to be able to say, this is all about me. It's not about anybody else. It's not, the miracle is not to transform my wife or my husband or my boss. It's the miracle is about to transform me so that I deal with the concept of my wife or my husband or my boss in a different way than I'm dealing with it. Okay. So she's having these strange images that were coming to her. Although I had grown more accustomed to the unexpected by that time, I was still very surprised when I wrote, This is a Course in Miracles. Well, I can imagine, you know, a a theoretical scientist with a Jewish background writing the terms, This is a Course in Miracles. It would make no sense whatsoever. That was the introduction to The Voice. Okay, and she put voice in capital letters in this writing. So, the voice, she's referring to it as the voice of God. Okay. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Is this, you know, Twilight Zone kind of stuff? No. We have the voice of God inside of every single one of us, 24-7, every moment of every day, the voice of God is inside of us the voice of god is speaking to my brain every single second just to keep me alive my brain is processing every human function in order to sustain life in this enli- in this enlivened corpse the brain is doing that and the brain is receiving all of those instructions as to what to do and when to do it from the voice, the voice. And so if I, my personality, I, little I, the personality Raph wants to listen to that voice, I can. It's inside of me. It's running this whole show. So that voice is accessible to me to listen to at any moment in time, at will. She just had a moment of awakening, of quickening, of enlightenment, meaning the light bulb went on for her when she said earlier that her boss had told her, I'm tired of all of the complaining between you guys. You need to get your act together, and there's got to be another way. And she said, her response was, on some level, I felt that it was my calling, and I got on board immediately because I knew that it was it for me. That was her inner voice affirming that for her. Your inner voice.
1: Excuse me,
0: what's inner voice? Inner voice, la voz interna. Okay.
1: thank you.
0: You're welcome. So we we can be quickened by that inner voice to take us to any place that our heart desires yes
1: but it sounds to me like she was at a point of surrender
0: oh absolutely well m- m- yes it she had to be like it sounds like she said i've had
1: it there's going to be another way and then she was open
0: to it well what what it just said here is that her boss said i've had it and she she said, and she and then she responded. She said, and and I must have been ready because it felt like a calling. She, it was a different word than calling because she said I got on board immediately, yeah. as if yeah. That's a surrender. That's a okay. Gonna... It, exactly, yeah. e- exactly. So so it's being ready to be ready. Uh-huh. She was ready. Uh-huh. Was ready. So you've shown up here. I would say you're ready to be ready. Now. Do you need to get ready to be ready to be ready, or are you ready enough? That's your own answer. You know how ready really are you? How many more being getting ready to be ready do you have to get before you're ready enough to surrender, as you said? Because surrendering that, that can be a charged word too. I mean, that's that's that word for me from a Catholic standpoint is a very charged word. Surrendering for me is giving up. All of my power almost to handcuffs. In the old context. Okay, in the old context. Surrender is being at battle and going like this and saying, I give up, don't shoot me, please don't shoot me, I give up. You can do with me whatever you're going to do with me, but don't kill me. That's what surrender used to mean to me. Now, surrender in the context that we're going to use it here, and I don't use the word too often because I like other words even more than that one that have a a similar significance but we're, we're gonna clarify this what it means to us here is to is to allow with all of our willingness for the highest and best good of all things concerned is to simply allow to accept and allow accept and allow so that there is no opposition it doesn't mean I am surrendering to become hostage to something. No, 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 no. Hostage to nothing. I surrender to show up as a truly empowered being. Not powerful, but empowered. Okay? So this is not about force. This is about empowerment. Okay, any, any questions here? We'll go on. So the voice came to her and it said, this is A Course in Miracles. That was the introduction to the voice. It made no sound but seemed to be giving me a kind of rapid inner dictation which I took down in a shorthand notebook. The writing was never automatic. So she wasn't possessed. She wasn't overcome by something outside of her. Nothing was automatic. You can start and stop and accept or not accept. And that's how spirit is within us. It's never going to possess us, it just enfolds us. That's a lot, or coddles us, or in, includes us, or is contained within us. But we're not possessed by spirit. To be possessed by something is to be overtaken, to be overtaken by something, and, and that is force. So we're not talking about anything in force. Force, that's part of the perception, the side of the perceptions that we're going to be looking at here, which is non-reality. It could be interpreted at any time and later picked up again, meaning that the fact that she was writing and um, receiving this inner dictation. The inner dictation is an awareness. We've got inner dictation going on all the time inside of us. We've got hunches. What is a hunch if not more than an inner dictation? It's, it's um, a leaning toward something. Our life as, as being human and human being is about expressing preferences. And so every time, because there are choices at every moment in time in our existence. Being human or human being is the same as being engulfed with infinite possibilities of choices all the time. That's what it's all about. That's the richness of our condition. What is our condition? Humanity is our condition. What is our condition is usually known as, as a condition is something of illness, typically in, in, in the context. Oh, he's got a condition. Well, I've got a real condition going on here. I'm really human is my condition. And so that condition that I'm expressing is my gift. Spirit is giving me the gift of the condition of humanity. What for? To delight in the choosing of the infinite possibilities that have been made available in the world of expression by cause, source, God, spirit. Infinite possibilities. You guys, I, I need to ask for your um, acceptance or even tolerance maybe because this I'm so passionate about this stuff that I run off at the mouth over so many things that I feel so strongly about. So if you get to the point where you've just had enough, just stop me and we'll move on. She says, it could be interrupted at any time and later picked up again. It made me uncomfortable but never seriously occurred to me to stop. It seemed to be a special assignment I had somehow, somewhere agreed to complete. There's the answer. I had It was a special assignment that I had somehow, somewhere agreed to complete. That, a special assignment that I at some level in life, somehow, somewhere sometime agree to complete is a perfect definition for me of the things that I call my destiny. That is destiny for me. Because I agree to complete them. And for me, my take, my perception on this is all of those things that I consider that I've received as part of that, that 50% of my human experience which is destined. Because in my mind, everything is dual in this plane, in this third dimension. And so that means it's 50% destiny and it's 50% choice. Everything is equal. There's a 50% negative pole and a 50% positive pole. One is not more important or less important, more valuable, less valuable. Up, down, left, right, hot, cold, north, south, good, bad. It's all subjective polarity. It is not necessarily duality in the context of the definition of the world but it is truly polarity there are two poles to everything and so now that we that i've used the word duality and polarity in the medical world when we talk about people that are manic depressive and are taking medication for it we call them bipolar well I'm bipolar and I'm not on any medication. I am bipolar from the moment I was born because I have two poles in me. I am yin-yang, I am positive and negative, I am male and female energies. I am all things and so in order for me to have a moment of existence, I have to be bipolar. And therefore, I have two poles which is duality or polarity. So Pick the word that suits you best, the one that's more comfortable, give it your own definition, and then embrace it. The idea is to be comfortable with the words that you use in life that mean something to you. Words are constantly taking on new meaning. They're being defined by culture, by geography, and by timeline. And the same word can mean something completely different 200 years later, even though it's still being used in the language. Look up Shakespearean English, it's really tough to read, and I can't make any sense of most of it, and they're almost the same words that we use today, but they're used in different contexts. They're put together differently, even though they're the same words. So everything is subjective for time and place reality. It represented a truly collaborative venture between Bill and myself, and much, uh, uh, and much of its significance, I am sure, lies in that. I would take down what the voice said and read it to him the next day, and he typed it from my dictation. I expected he had this special assignment. We each have our own special assignments. And can you imagine, she said, she said early on that they were collaborators, but that they were each highly vested in the appearances of the world, in prestige, and in recognition. Can you imagine her having to get to the point of humility of saying, something is dictating inside of me, and I am going to put it down as truth. And then him saying, you, my collaborator, you, my counterpart, I'm going to be your servant and your typist in this process. I'm going to serve you as you serve the voice. And so it was all about surrender in the finest, dearest, most loving sense of the word, giving into kindness and collaboration from human to human to spirit so that it could be a win-win-win all the way around. What a lesson just in that, for us to take that to heart and to be willing to collaborate at that level of humility to become somebody's typist when you've got a PhD in psychology at Columbia University, to become somebody's typist and believe that what they're telling you even is worthy of being typed out, because they're telling you that they're receiving this kind of a download from something that is Pretty bizarre to a psychologist. You know, spirit is giving me a download. You're not going to hear a psychologist typically saying that. So that in itself is beyond the scope of normal conditions in the world that we live in. That in itself is something that we would call a miraculous condition because it's out of context with what we understand to be normalcy. And, And that pretty much is what we've defined so far because we haven't redefined a miracle yet. But so far, a miracle to most of us that haven't been working this course is that which has the appearance of something completely out of context with the realm of our reality. I was just thinking that quite a bit of writing is done this way. Um, The idea is the important thing, and um, we don't all have that, some people are just gifted with these, with this inspiration, with these ideas, and they do need help to get them on paper, to get it on paper. And uh, the most important thing is, is to kind of get the notes out there and so on and so forth. But they do need support, just like you were saying that the that the other gentleman uh, was the one that got it done on paper for her. Collaboration. And gave her some feedback and so on and so forth, and they sure. both worked on the ideas. Sure. Sure. That's human collaboration. I bring the best of myself to the table. You bring the best of yourself to the table. And we do this. And imagine if 26 or 28 of us bring the best of ourselves to any project that we take on in unison or in unity. Imagine the power behind that. It would be unstoppable. If we put our heart, fully our heart, our attention and our intention into something that we believe in. Equally together, 30 people, we would be unstoppable. We would transform anything that we touched. But that rarely happens. Well, they also had a chance of three months to go through this transformation into this relationship. Correct. That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. That's correct. So that, it's interesting that they had that evolutionary period. Too. Right. That, 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 that was, that was the, the time that it took to surrender for them to get to that state of surrender, to really go with it. And then it went on for seven years after that. You know, so yes, absolutely true. So it wasn't instantaneous. Even though the calling was instantaneous, the acceptance was not instantaneous. That took that time of transformation internally in order to surrender personally to all of the things that were being called upon of each one of them so that the collaboration could be true. Okay. The whole process took about seven years. The text came first, then the workbook for students, and finally the manual for teachers. Only a few minor changes have been made. Chapter titles and subheadings have been inserted in the text, and some of the more personal references that occur in the beginning have been omitted. Otherwise, the material is substantially unchanged. And I I, I had one of our group members mention that there seems to be another version out there that has some more of those notes in it that has come out or is about to come out. And And there may be, and it's great if you want to get it or not, but it's irrelevant. If you have that inclination, it's relevant for you, but as far as We don't need 1,200 pages is what the whole book is. We need 12 pages. And in those 12 pages, the summary of this, actually we might need 12 lines. And if we get those 12 lines, the rest of it is just fluff. Fluff for the sake of our human condition in order to be able to digest because we're having a real hard time chewing anything other than what we have developed an appetite for and now we want we have an appetite for something more and we're looking for something greater than what we've been ingesting in life or experiencing in life and so that's why we're here for something greater than to become something greater than what we are right now the names of the collaborators in the recording of the course do not appear on the cover because the course can and should stand on its own It is not intended to become the basis of another cult. So this is not a religion. This is not something to have followers. I am not a teacher. I don't ever intend to be a teacher. And I I, I actually want to expound upon that. I'm only a facilitator here. And I can only share that which I understand at the level which I understand it and in the manner which I understand it. And that is purely subjective and personal. It works for me. I offer it to you in the best light that I have to offer it in the hopes that something that I offer you might be of service and of help to you. Anything that makes no sense or doesn't serve you well, just leave it aside. Lovingly bless it and leave it aside. You'll find something that works for you either here or somewhere else. We all will. We all have that inner calling 24-7. It's just a matter of listening to it. It is, its only purpose is to provide a way in which some people will be able to find their own inner teacher. Well, I love that. Because had I written that line, I would have put the word SOME people, S-O-M-E, all in caps. This is not a requirement today for everybody. It is a, it, it is a requirement in the level of a fundamental learning experience for all humanity at some point in time. But the when and the how and the where is up to each one of us to make that choice. So we're destined to get it. We are destined to get it and no one can avoid it. And yet we have that other half of the coin, that free will Destiny and free will, where I can choose how, when, and where I'm going to allow myself, give myself permission to assimilate that which is meant to be mine, which is my gift. So in this process, each one of us is choosing every step of the way whether we believe we're ready enough to receive that which already is granted to us. We don't have to do anything to merit it, it's already been given, it's there. Whether we let it in or not is a choice, that's our choice. So there is no teacher here, the teacher is called the internal teacher. What is the internal teacher? It's the Holy Spirit, that's the internal teacher. Had they said at the very first paragraph, when they used in the first paragraph the word Holy Spirit, had they said internal teacher, they would have not caused me to have every hair on my spine stand up. I would have accepted internal teacher. But I needed to have that in order to get into the body of the Course, which means to forgive all things. That's the first thing I had to forgive, was my perception and my context of the idea of Holy Spirit. Because if I didn't forgive that concept in my mind, I couldn't move any further than that. So our internal teacher is our soul, is our spirit, is the Holy Spirit. It is it. It is that. It is God. It is cause. All the same thing. Pick your poison. Any questions so far before we get into the next paragraph of what it is? Anything at all? Okay. What it is, meaning what the course is. What it is. And I like the fact that she used the word it. She didn't even say course. She didn't say what the course is or what the teaching is. She said it. And it just so happens that it is also capitalized. I like that synchronicity because this is really about it. As its title implies, the course is arranged throughout as a teaching device. Okay, another one of my buttons got pushed. Yes, it is a device, but I would prefer to call it a learning device because regardless of how proficient the teacher, you can be an expert teacher in astrophysics, and if the so-called student is not receptive to learn and desirous and hungry for that material, that teacher can do nothing to cause learning. So. There's nobody here to teach anything. We're here to learn. And the course itself cannot teach us a single thing unless we're actually in a place of wanting to be learners. We don't even need a teacher because the teacher, the only teacher that can learn us anything is the internal teacher. And that teacher has no name. It is called it. Okay. Am I getting too esoteric here for you? Okay. All right. So the course consists of three books, 669 pages of text, 488 pages of workbook for students and 92 pages of manuals for teachers. Okay. Manual for teachers. Do not misunderstand that. It's manual for students. Manual for students, we are all teachers, we're all students, that manual is for you guys, it's not for me, it's for you. The order in which the student chooses to use the books and the ways in which they study them depend on their particular needs and preferences. What does that mean? There is no course requirement. You've got three different viewpoints of the same subject matter which is awakening to truth. Three different viewpoints, three different perspectives. One is from the perspective of question and answer, the other one is the perspective of theoretical, and the third one is the perspective of practical experiential exercises. You can jump from one to the other as you see fit, as your disposition that day calls you, your inner voice calls you, to your preference that day. Preference is your gift in life. Give yourself your preference as often as possible. That is coddling yourself, that is nurturing yourself. To give yourself your preferential choice is the greatest gift you can give yourself in life. Do it with the Course too. The curriculum the Course proposes is carefully conceived and explained step by step at both the theoretical and practical levels. It emphasizes application rather than theory. That's really important. That this whole thing is about how we apply it, not how we memorize it or intellectualize it. We don't even have to understand it in order to get its message and integrate the essence of it. You may do the entire course from beginning to end And there may still be at the end certain things that you're not understanding technically how they apply to you. That's okay. Because whatever those things are, if you got half of what the Course has got to say, you got it. Because it's just you're not understanding the manner in which it's being stated. Because the other half that you did get and feel really good about are saying the same thing in another manner. That's all it is. So, let go of any frustration you might experience along the way of, I don't get these words. I don't get what they're saying. What does this mean? Just let it be. Let it be. It specifically states that a universal theology is impossible, but a universal experience is not only possible, but necessary. What does that mean, a universal theology is impossible? That means we're never going to agree. We are never, ever, ever going to agree. We're not even supposed to agree. We're supposed to agree to disagree. That's it. In life, we're supposed to agree to disagree. Because if we all agreed, can you imagine how boring life would be We'd all want to eat the same thing, go to the same place, dress the same way, study the same thing. There would only be, well, it would be as boring as oneness. Total oneness at the absolute level, which is what, which is what oneness chose to create the illusion of momentary separation in order to have the possibility of an experience, of an experience. Because in total, absolute, unadulterated oneness or unity, there is no opposite. There is no contrast. There is no experience. None. It just is. It's not this or that. It's it. The concept of this or that is in this third dimension. It is in the non-dimension. So. We are always going to disagree and that's a good thing. So it's not about getting everybody to agree on your take on the Course in Miracles or your take on an exercise. Give it up. Everybody's going to have a completely different take on that. What does it mean to you? And if you're wanting clarity and you want to bounce it off of one of your partners in this walk of life, then great. Then just have fun doing it. But it's not about somebody's right and somebody's wrong. No, no, no. Everybody's right and everybody's wrong because there is no right and wrong. It's all perception. And perception is all illusion. So how could there possibly be a right or a wrong answer? It's just your answer. And if it works for you, you'll know it because you have a sense of peace inside. If it doesn't work for you, you will not have a sense of peace. You will have a sense of... Disease or non-peace or agitation, that is your gift. Agitation, discomfort, dis-ease is your greatest gift because it's telling you when you are out of alignment with Source. That's your gift. That's the inner voice. That's the inner teacher. So don't go to anyone else for an answer about anything. Not an answer. You can go to somebody anywhere in life, around any subject in life, for an, op- for an opinion or a perspective, their perspective, or their intuitive feeling around it, knowing that that's their take from the sum total of their life experience causing them to have their unique personality and therefore generate that specific impression about that subject which may have nothing to do with yours, because you've not lived their life. So this will apply not only to the Course, but to every lesson in the Course, and to every experience in your entire life. And so, a universal theology is impossible. We just covered that. But a universal experience is not only possible, but necessary. What does that mean? A universal experience is not only possible, but necessary. Fernando. Yeah, it just popped into my mind, but it's like, uh, you know, using your phone, you put in where you are and where you want to go, and you, you have your GPS on, and it gives you three different routes, and, uh, you know, it gives you... The times, but you know, all the routes take you from here to there. Infinite routes, yeah, there's an infinite number
1: of routes, but I mean, the GPS usually
0: you three, but there is an infinite number of uh, routes, right? Uh, but you don't know until you actually drive there, right? right. That's so, when you, when you experience going from here to there, so so the, the destination is the same for all of us, the same us. destination for everybody, so it doesn't it, matter Exactly. Really exactly. Exactly. So that 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 so, so the, the experience is not only possible but necessary. And so the experience is you don't experience your vacation until you get to the destination. Then you have the experience of the vacation. You know? And so until you get we get to the experience of whatever it is that awakening to our inner truth, everyone is gonna to get to that. And then, that is unity. That is oneness. That is where we can know, know at, at, at the knowingness of the depth of my being that I am you, and you are me, and we are all having an individuated experience in this third dimension, but that which is having the experience Is the same it each one of your spirits it's even erroneous for me to say your spirit it would be better said if I said each one of my spirits showing up as you guys that would be more truthful is enriching my own spiritual experience Because every experience that each one of you is having as a mirror in my human existence as I share this time-space reality with you in this moment is mirroring back to me my own spiritual experience. I am you, and you are me, and to some effect, even to the level of the butterfly effect, we are affecting everything, everything. And here, doing this kind of work, we're affecting each other big time. So cumulatively the amount of spiritual energy, primordial energy that is accumulated in this room is off the charts. What we can do with this is off outside of our realm of conception what we are capable of doing with the energy that's in this room. So at some point in time we'll address that and decide, is there a common goal of this room Today is a little too early, but I mean, I'm already planting that seed. Is there a common goal for the energy in this room? Because we have got some kind of power going on here. Okay. Although Christian in statement, comma, the course deals with universal spiritual themes. I'm really glad that it qualified that. Universal themes, meaning the core, the essence of what this is wanting to convey is in every teaching, in every culture, in every walk of life, in every part of the planet, in every sector of humanity. It's just being said in a different language and in a different time and place. That's all. So the teachings of the Course are contained in Hinduism in Buddhism, in Christian mysticism, in Kabbalist, uh, Kabbalistic teachings, uh, in Shintoism, in um, the pre-Hispanic uh, um, shamanistic teachings. It's everywhere on the planet. It's all the same thing written and expressed for that specific culture of that moment in time. So. We're not, this is not more right than what the Hindus are teaching, or than what the Jews are teaching, in, the, or, or any other spiritual truth, because what this is talking about is not religion on any level, it is talking about universal principles. You know what, I, I can see that it is time, it's 8.15, anyone that wants to, do we want to take a A group break, or do we want to just allow for people to get up as they need to and go to the bathroom and get a drink and do whatever they want when they need? (laughs) No, no, no. no. What What would you prefer? Any anyone can just get up when they want to. I'm okay with that. Or do you want to take? You're gonna miss something. You're gonna miss. Okay. 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 Then then we'll take a group break. Do we want? How, How How much time do you need? Ten minutes? Five, minutes? Five minutes. Five minutes it is, okay. We're going to take a love offering now in the event that someone has the need to leave a little bit earlier and chooses to be able to contribute something. Uh, I'd like everyone to have that opportunity. and. The idea here is for us to be aware that whatever gift we're receiving from this combined effort that we're making here, that somehow we can find a way of spreading it around. And it's my desire that this community here, of Unity of Pompano, expand, that we can find a vision that is greater than what we are today. This is a wonderful place. I mean I've been in many 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 places in different parts of the world and the energy here is really special or I wouldn't be here and I have a choice of being anywhere that I want to be and I choose you of everywhere else that I could be and so this feels really special to have this opportunity here and I perceive that the infrastructure that we're gifted with here has a potential so far greater than what it is being given right now, that I would like to call upon all of you in your hearts to help us in thought, in prayer, in deed, to help this expand and become greater than it is, because it's calling out wanting to be greater than it is. I can feel it all the time. And, not but, and I only have the empowerment of one. I want to unite my empowerment with all of your empowerment and have that exponential level of expression available to emanate in this community. You know, it's, it's wonderful that we're here, but most of us are in the senior realm. And it's, a, it's, it's great that we're here and that we're getting it before it's all said and done. That's a wonderful thing. <laughs> that being said, Once it's all said and done, then what with this wonderful place? So my my heart is calling me to say, what can we each dream of to leave a legacy here of expansion in consciousness for the generations to come? And how can we today begin to draw to us and integrate with us those generations that will not only be running the world that we live in but caring for us in our latter days and so selfishly and unselfishly and selflessly and all of the lees that you want to put in there we are not just me we, me is really we And so, what is me going to do about we? (laughs) So, I'm inviting you to join me in this question, this questioning, not only in in the giving of our resources to the extent that we can to help expand this process, but to bring our minds together at the Mm -hmm. deepest level of creative thought, wisdom, in creative thought, enlightened creative thought, as to the what, the when, and the how to do of the thing, whatever that thing is that we're meant to do, in order to appeal and magnetize to us effortlessly. We don't want to grunt our way through this. We want it to be an effortless attraction process of everyone who can benefit from the gift of our life experience that can be shared with those that have not had the privilege of these wonderful life experiences yet. My greatest high is not in having the great experience. It is in sharing the great experience. That's where the high really comes in because somehow it seems to become exponential for me. It's greater in the sharing it than in the having it. So I'm basically asking for your help in joining my vision if you share it and seeing how we can get together to make the vision of this course go out into the community and show up in infinite unknown ways in this parish and in this community. And with that in mind, part of it also happens to be in the realm of the financial ability to express uh, and go out with the funding that's needed so whatever you can give is greatly greatly appreciated um, whatever's collected here 100 percent of it goes right back into the parish i'm not interested in that this is my gift to the parish so just know that in your hearts too and uh, and join me in that giving so we're going to pass this around and i'm open and receptive to hearing from any of you privately by a phone call. If you've got an idea of what we can do or you would want me to collaborate with you in something that's expansive for unity, please call me, I'm all ears. Okay. So I'm gonna get right into this again. And let's see, we are at I've lost my place. Uh, Although, is, yeah. About the third or Although Christian in statement, the Course deals with universal spiritual themes. Rather, let's see here. Although Christian in statement, the Course deals with universal spiritual themes it emphasizes it is but one version of the universal curriculum so this course can really be seen as a universal curriculum another way of saying that is spiritual law universal law it's irrefutable we we cannot undermine it on any level we can choose to not accept it, and not integrate it into our belief system, but that's going to cause us a great deal of suffering in the process of living. Because our not acceptance of it, or our not understanding of it, doesn't make it any less true or or present. It is because it is because it is. Could you give me an example? Everything that has to do with the existence of substance at the cause level or related to the outpouring or manifestation of substance at the core level, at spirit level, is law. Everything. Everything. Everything that's going on with nature, everything that is the fundamental elements which we are attributing to being at cause from substance, showing up from substance is elemental and it is not man-made. In fact, now that you ask that it's a good time to chime this in. I've gotten to the point in life now where I don't even really like to call myself a co-creator in life. I used to label myself a co-creator with spirit with God in life and 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 I'm comfortable with that but as I delve deeper into my own blissful insanity I have replaced that with I am an innovator not a co-creator because I'm really not creating anything I'm innovating with that which was created out of sheer substance by source and so I'm not creating anything from scratch, ever. No such thing have I or anybody made from scratch because the elements are required to create anything in this realm. And the elements were brought into reality by substance. And I had nothing to do with substance from my human perspective and i had nothing to do with the elements from my human perspective now i take the gift of what has been given to me substance creates the elements and hands me the elements in my playground and says now play your role as a demigod in expression and co-create with my 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 um, clay, co-create with my clay, and make it look like anything you want it to be, because what you can envision, you can co-create or innovate. Are our conflicts also divine? I- I'm sorry. Are our conflicts also divine? Are are our conflicts also divine? Yes Yes and no, like everything else. Yes and no, like everything else. Now, clearly, my answer is coming to you from a human mind, from a human perspective that is fully fallible and highly subjective. So take it with a grain of salt. I believe yes and no because The I am of me is living in this third dimension of polarity where everything in this realm is dualistic. And yet there is no real duality, there's only polarity because everything is one. So conflict is just the absence of peace. Darkness is just the absence of light. Poverty is just the absence of prosperity. Sickness is the absence of health. And it is like a coin or a two-edged sword, where the sword has two sides to it. And it all depends on the way the light is reflecting off of it what you see. Do you see conflict or do you see peace? the course, the perspective of the course, the teaching of the course, which is what we're talking about here, tells us that conflict is an illusion because it's really the illusion of the absence of peace and that the only thing that truly exists is peace. But because of our illusory state from the perspective of personality or the ego mind of the small I, then I give truth to, I lend credence to the concept of conflict. So the Course says. I happen to believe that as best, that is the best understanding that I've been able to attain in my lifetime so far. That doesn't mean that I will have a greater moment of awareness and something truer, more. more resonating will come to pass. I don't know. I don't know. For today, that's what I know. Anything else around that question?
1: Yeah. Well, just talk about thinking, thinking itself. We think it starts with our thinking. But even our thinking is coming out of source, of divine mind, so to speak. Right. And unconsciously or consciously, we are using that energy
0: in our thought system. Right, right, right. I, I agree. That, so for me, Bev, what you're saying is, is my truth at a core level that even the least desirable thoughts, the ones that I consider most egoic in nature around my personality expressing itself, when I say, I don't want to have that thought. Where in the world did that come from? Or how could you be so selfish? What's the matter with you? Get a grip on life. You know those those kinds of thoughts i have now come to the place of thinking even those thoughts are divine thoughts why because without that thought i would not be drawn back to my divine self it is that contrast it is that moment of questioning it is that moment of dis ease or uncomfortableness as a result of my awareness today that draws me back into the greater state of alignment with who I am at the essential level so it all serves me at the end of the line whether I go down the egotistic road or the soul-filled expression road I'm gonna get to the same destination regardless the only distinction between the path of ego and pure, unadulterated selfishness, egotism. The only difference between that and and the spiritual path of higher consciousness led by soul is the level of suffering or lack of suffering that will transpire in every step of the way. And so, Why do I do this course? Why? What for do I study anything? What do I go to prosperity class? Why do I show up Sunday mornings at 930? There's only one reason. Because I want the most blissful, comfortable, coddled feeling life that I can possibly co-create, imagine, or innovate for myself. And the way that I do that is by staying as consciously dedicated to my alignment to my higher self as often as possible because it mitigates the level of suffering enormously. That's why I do it. And so basically, I'm just selfish. I'm just selfish. I want to feel good. I want to feel good. But the things that I choose to feel good over, are vastly different today than the things that I used to choose to feel good about 30 years ago. So, that's where awareness comes in or maybe what we term as greater wisdom because I'm I'm making choices that are consistently feeling better in the long run in my life today than I did in the past. So, is there any wrong path? No. Are there bad things in life? No. How about the atrocities of life? They're atrocious. And yet, they're not bad beyond the label that we give them. What they truly are is, for our perspective, undesirable, totally undesirable, or or even painful. Now, the person that is actually executing that really bad stuff They're going to tell you the exact opposite. They're going to tell you they're feeling great being bad. That's why they're doing it. Because for them, in the consciousness that they are expressing as at that moment in time, that bad, bad feels great to them. They're getting a high off of that. That's why they're doing it. Or they would not be doing it. They feel they wanna annihilate a whole religious belief system because they've got the right to, they've got the right answer. They're feeling good about doing that or they wouldn't be doing it. They're, They're so convicted around doing that, it has become their purpose for living. They give up their lives and blow themselves up at the level of conviction. Imagine that. I've never been convicted to that level of anything in life to the point where I say, I will blow myself up for this conviction. I mean, I have to look at that and say, wow, what a level of believing something to be true. I've never believed anything to be that true in my life on an outward level. So do I agree with that? Absolutely not. I don't align with that on any level. And yet I've learned so that I don't suffer any more than is absolutely necessary. And how much is that? Zero. How much suffering is absolutely necessary? Zero. So I do my damnedest to accept all things as they are and bless them if they are outside of my realm of transmutation or transformation. I will first try to transform. And if it's outside of my empowerment spectrum, then I will do my best to transmute uh, vice versa. First transmute, then transform. Change it or go beyond it and leave it. If I can't do either one of them, then I simply let it be what it is, accept it as it is, and bless it and then do everything possible to put my focus on the exact opposite of that thing that does not feel good in my presence. Do not look upon it. Do not allow it into my mind's sight because as we've all heard the story of don't think about pink elephants, you're gonna think about the pink elephant. So I don't even want it in my sight So I have to choose something different in my mind's eye to focus on. And this is why, when we started this little bit of the conversation, this is the what for of attending this and reading the books that I read and listening to the things that I listen to, which is not Fox News, and watching the programming that I watch, which are not novels or sitcoms, and so it's making conscious living a moment-to-moment choice as to what effect is is what effect is the stimulus that I am allowing for my five senses to assimilate, what effect is it giving me? Is it causing me a feeling of upliftment, peace, ease, hope? well-being, serenity, camaraderie, unity, or the opposite of that. Those adjectives I just used are all derivatives or, or extensions of love showing up as light. Everything that is the opposite of those adjectives, the antonyms, of those adjectives is the expression of darkness or fear showing up as darkness, which is the absence of light or the absence of love. Fear is the absence of love. Darkness, the absence of light. Antonyms are fear and darkness. The synonyms are light and love. It's a choice. The course is a choice. What course do I want to take? I'm not talking about the 1,200 pages. What course do I want to take? Am I going to live with the antonyms or am I going to live with the synonyms? It's a choice. And it's a choice that is in my face every day, every moment. When I began the process, the choice was in my face. Now it is no longer in my face. Now it's just a presence where in my surrounding there's always the contrast. The antonym is is there, but the anecdote for the antonym, which is the synonym, is also there. And so the transformative piece of life is the anecdote to the conditions of life. And those conditions are always available to me with every synonym, expression, adjective of love and light. Where are we putting our focus This is the question. Because the focus is a choice. No one can tell me where to focus. You can gag me, you can blind me, you can tie me down, and you cannot get me to focus on what you want me to focus on. Cannot. That's mine. It's mine, it's part of the I amness of me. No one runs the I am-ness of me, regardless of what's going on around me. That is, that is where empowerment comes. And when I live in, in a fabulous environment that I live in, <clears throat> with the incredible amount of freedom that I have, and the safety that surrounds me, and the abundance that engulfs me and the joy that permeates me and the health that has completely embraced me, then what could I possibly have to complain about? When I have a charmed life, I am a walking, talking miracle. In getting to the point that I believe that, life changes radically. It's not that I don't have problems in life. I have problems show up, and we prefer in unity to call them opportunities, mm-hmm. right, but, but they show up. They show up because it's part of the human condition, and I embrace that human condition as my gift. Without those opportunities, I would never have the moments of realization of the bliss of coming back to center because I have to be off center to seek and experience center. The bliss is in coming back to center. If I'm always home, how am I ever going to enjoy going home after going away from home? if I never go out and have a day out there and get tired, how am I ever going to walk through my front door and go, home sweet home, my cocoon, I love you so much. <laughs> that, that is, the contrast is our gift. And when we get to the point of embracing the antithesis of truth, embracing the antithesis of of permanence, which is the temporal field, to embrace the temporal world that we live in, to to love it into our vibration, then we can transform it, we can transmute it into that which we want it to be. Because if I can perceive it, I can receive it. And in knowing that, anything that's going on in my life, can be just a few moments of discomfort. Only long enough for me to come back to my senses and remind myself, all I have to do is apply law, apply principle to this. And once it's done, that's the answer. It's done, there's nothing more to talk about. It's done. When something's done, you don't talk about it, you don't question it, you don't kvetch about it, you don't, you, you don't wonder when is it coming, how long will it take, will it show up in the right form? Will I like it when it gets here? If it's done, it's done, it's done. What's done, what I asked for, it's done. I don't think we believe that, Or I, it took me a long time to believe the concept of it. it's done. I wanted it and it's done and it's in the, my doubting the thing that I'm asking for or desiring forget about even asking It's in the moment I desire it it's already been asked for the desire is the asking who's asking for it anyway who's asking for it the bad guy Raphael the bad guys asking for it well the bad guy happens to be the same one as the good guy it's the same guy wearing two different costumes for this masquerade that we're all playing and having a great time. And so when the ga- bad guy's done playing his role, he's gonna go back behind the, the shade and put on the good guy costume and come out and everybody's gonna clap for the bad guy and boo for the good guy and, and vice versa. So it's all the way it's supposed to be. So the contrast, all the things that we would like to miraculously change in our lives, are the things that we're actually going to learn through this course, how to love them to the point of transforming them to our own subjective preference, which is our gift in our human state, to have our preferences in this lifetime. Imagine, imagine if God concept the old man in the big suit with the white beard, came down and said, my son, come here. I'm gonna give you, you won the lottery in heaven. I'm gonna give you every preference you want for the rest of your life. They're yours. You've been chosen. This is it, you were elected. You won the lottery in heaven. You get, what do you get? You get your preferences. That's what you get, heaven, what is heaven? Heaven is nothing more than living a life of preference. Everything that I want. My preferences are the things I want. What difference does it make what I prefer? Do you think God, 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 that concept of God that we have, that power, that force, cares whether I prefer a blue or a yellow sweater? Mm The idea is that the yellow sweater, for some reason, my soul perceived the yellow sweater and said, this is the one that's going to make you a little bit happier today. Mm -hmm. It wasn't any other part of me that chose it. It was my soul chose this over the other ones. So I've stopped questioning absolutely everything. I don't question anything. I accept all things. If it feels good, go with it. If it doesn't feel good, then question, where is it coming from and what for? What is this for? That's when divine wisdom comes in. And with that, I'm going to close because it's 9 o'clock and I believe that punctuality is a virtue. You're welcome.